0: Nominate the youth sports volunteer that you know for the Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at kslsports.com forward slash contest and listen every Thursday afternoon to our guys JJ and Alex for the winner. Help us celebrate the efforts of those volunteers making an impact with the Hercules Hero of the Week. And yes, it's sponsored by Hercules Credit Union. DJ PK, it is
1: 97-5, the zone, the Utah Jazz. We're beating again the Charlotte Hornets with a fourth-quarter rally. They win fourth quarter 30-17. to 17. They win the game 115-107. Jazz have now lost five in a row, and here to talk about it, David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And his weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, Good morning. Good morning, David James, Patrick Kinahan. How are you? (laughs) Excellent. That's a lot of energy and enthusiasm out of the gate on a Friday morning.
2: I'm good. Hey, there's few things I get more excited about every week than talking to PK and DJ. That's the first time I've ever put PK's name first. It felt really uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Well, it worked. You sound like my family.
2: They put DJ's name first or they just put everybody else's name first?
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's just uncomfortable to say my initials. Oh, okay. I'm not loved. I accepted it though. I'm okay. Okay. I'm fine with it. I mean, hey, our scars are what make us the greatest. So yeah. I understand. They call me D Will
2: at home. That's interesting. I've never been called C Booze, <laughs> But I
0: can see it. <laughs> I think I was called that in college, but that's another story. All right. <laughs> Shall we proceed now?
1: <laughs> Go
2: ahead. You that you got, that, good. Good. got that out of your that system. Was As long as they're not calling you AK-47, we're okay. (laughs) There you go. Positives.
1: Everybody wants to know how good these rookies are going to be because it's no longer fun to talk about the playoff race. So, All right, let's talk about the rookies. Do you see anything that you want to say definitively about any of these guys, things you've really figured out about these guys, at least as they are right now? I mean, obviously they're going to have a chance to evolve here over a year, three, five, whatever it turns out to be. What do you think? Something definitive, I know this. Um, Keontae's going to be able to score in the league.
2: Um, You know, how efficiently will probably be the question. But he'll certainly be able to score. Um, He's learning spots. You're seeing kind of this, you know, early in the year. I remember talking to Keontae about, like, where he was getting his shots. He was like, I don't know. Like, they just come from everywhere. (laughs) And now you're seeing his shots are all very similar. Like, one to the next is, is, you know, he's got the off the bounce three behind the pick and roll as a shot. He's got, um, that drive left hand drive, dive the right shoulder into the guy, create space to clear the right hand out for the shot. So you're seeing clearly he's going to be able to score in this league and get his shots off. So that's on, on him. I think maybe most importantly, um, you know, there just are not a lot of 6'9", 210-pound athletes that match the, um, you know, perform the, the expectations of Taylor. And that's wildly obvious every night he plays. He makes a play or two in every game. What is he going to be able to do? I, I don't have anything definitive on that yet. Like, I'm not convinced his, his shots are... 36% NBA three-point shot yet. I'm not convinced that he's ever that you know his handles good enough to create offense. Um, so I haven't seen I haven't s- seen things in that realm that that tell me anything. Um, and honestly, we haven't seen enough against Bryce. I really liked his college tapes and his ability to to make plays and score offensively. Um, you know. Will Hardy, the other day in a press conference, I think you were there, DJ was asked, like, what do you want to see out of Bryce? And he said anything that doesn't involve scoring. And last night he had no rebounds and no assists. So um, I don't think we really have an answer yet on that. Um, So I think that's, you know, I think some of those things are still a little unclear. Um, But definitively, I know that Taylor's an elite athlete. That's why he drafted him ninth. And I know that Keontae's going to be able to score and play in the league. And I think maybe most importantly on Keontae, um, I also know that he loves the game. And the, you know, Will talks about it a lot, how much he watches the game, is engaged in the game, and pays attention to the game. And I think that's, that's going to be... You know.
0: It is so obvious that Hendricks is really just an elite athlete. And, and from that perspective, even if he never develops an offensive game, he's fun to watch. And just for argument's sake, just say he is not... Uh, a a polished offensive player in three or four years but because of his uh, other abilities, what level of effectiveness do you think he can still have on a team as far as being able to help them win and that's just assuming for argument's sake that the offense doesn't come around to where they would like it
2: So his downside becomes Robert Covington, don't you think? you go with me on that? His his downside, like his bottom level is that he's a thirty four percent three point shooter elite athlete that
0: defends and becomes Robert Covington? I was thinking even more. But I don't know what more. Um okay. Who what would I mean like
2: a Gobert I mean, light? A yeah, I don't think so. I mean like Gobert.
0: Gobert I mean but he's not light. as tall, so I mean, in his own frame type of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's well okay, so then that's that's Robert Covington.
0: Okay. That's an
2: elite defensive wing defender who's limited offensively, can't dribble well enough to make plays, is an adequate passer because he understands the game. Um and that's you know, that's so that's him. That's that's who I think we're talking about at that point. Um so you and I are saying the same thing. We're just um you know, if he becomes a great defensive player, he becomes Jaron Jackson. Junior, who's defensive player of the year, but that's probably, you know, it's hard when you comp. You end up always comping the, um, you know, the best player you can possibly find.
0: That always seems like a bit much, right? Like, right. It's more along my lines of you can still have a positive effect on the team that goes beyond just a limited role. That's what I'm getting at. Is that a possibility? Yeah, and, I mean that's, that's why the game could come
2: Hundred percent. Like that's but that's why you draft six nine two ten, right? Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. I mean Jaden McDaniels is the best example of, of everything um from from that standpoint. Minnesota drafted Jaden McDaniels in a in a steel pick, what, twenty eighth in the draft, either before or after Desmond Bain and Adoka Um, and now he's turned into be a pretty decent offensive player. Um, and you, you, at that time, and he came out as a defensive player, but he was at Washington. He was like the number one option ball hog didn't share, had no, I had tunnel vision, had no idea, had teammates. It just didn't matter. He just had such incredible body. And, you know, I was going through trying to find comps for Kayla Hendricks. And the number one thing that jumped out to me is just how few guys there are in the league that are six nine two two oh five two ten. Like, he's just not a, just a, like, it's just a heck of a find. Like, if you go kind of run through the league, like, it's hard to find that guy. Like, like Aaron Gordon. Okay, well, Aaron Gordon's a little bigger than that, but he's also the fourth pick of a draft, right? Like, yeah. you start running through and finding these guys. They're all they're all fourth and fifth, sixth picks of a draft. And, like, I was trying to find, like, a comp that wasn't necessarily an early pick. Like, Lucas Samanich is a pretty good example. He really has not had any success yet in his NBA career. He's got another four or five years to go. Because to, before he – hopefully he clicks in somewhere because he's got such a unique body that he, people are going to keep signing him. You just don't – you can't find that body. So, I mean, I there's no – like, you watch Taylor in the opening moments of his career. There's just no doubt why he went ninth. And I thought Jake Scott had a great point. Like, if he had all the skills we wanted him to have, he would have gone second. He would have been Brandon Miller.
1: Fact. Um, yeah, fact.
2: <laughs> right. So, I think that – like, but – but you're seeing it. Like the even the foul where he he blocks the shot on the drive last night and commits the foul with his forearm. Okay, well that's just teaching. Like, oh you can't can't do that. And he'll learn that and you know, then the offensive <laughs> rebounds are real and he hits a three. Like I, I'm not convinced he's a thirty eight percent three point shooter yet. We'll have to see. Like it doesn't feel like it right now, but right. give him some time, let right. the game slow down. Um but no, his downside is that he just plays in the league for twelve years. Yeah. Both Keontae both Keontae and Taylor should have 10-plus-year careers, which is a big win on those picks. And, um, and I, you know, the question on Keontae is just whether he's going to play hard enough, and I think he's showing he is.
1: Walker Kessler now in his second year. It looked like they were trying to post him up in the middle of the lane, and he kind of fumbles the ball away, and he took a three. I didn't feel like it had a good chance of going in. It feels like offensively the dunk spot is still the place he needs to be, and anything else is too big an ask. Am I off on that? Is it evolving in another direction? Or is that just where things sit at the offensive end of the floor?
2: I think he's getting better slashing from the wing. Maybe even better than in the dunker. Like The dunker's actually been a little bit of a problem for him right under the basket. Because then he's got to catch and somehow work his way to the basket. And he's got to make himself available there. And that's that's not been the easiest spot for him so far. Um, so there's there's some positioning there that he's got to learn on how to how to get the ball there and have it be a a place where he can be successful. Um, So I – but I think – yeah, I mean, one of the big things in the next 26 games is is how we can be successful offensively with Walker on the floor and how Walker's defense, which is terrific, is not always – Led to good defense as a team yet. Like, that's, we haven't gotten there yet for some reason. I mean, his rim defense is the second best in the NBA inside six feet. He's massively impactful. But we haven't necessarily, we're better when he's on the floor defensively. We're not good. So, how can we become good defensively when Walker's on the floor? Um, Last night was better, just overall defensively. That was a really good effort. I think they only allowed like 14 shots at the rim. They just got beat by a lot of above the break threes. There were a lot of things last night that were a lot better, though.
0: Could you explain to our listeners why they don't think Collins and Kessler are a good combo together on the floor? Uh, data
2: would be the first one. The data is yeah, pretty overwhelming. That's, that's what I'm saying. Point. Explain the data. Right? Um, yeah. So the data is that I think the two of them on the floor together are about minus nine for 100 possessions, which takes you into kind of the 60 loss team. Um, it's a, I think it's a floor spacing issue. So as much as John does shoot to three, and he made one last night, which was great because he had... You know, it was actually a question I asked Ron on the broadcast. Like, if you're in a shooting slump going to the All-Star break, and you come out of the All-Star break, um, are you still in a shooting slump, or does it actually start at zero-zero? And um, and so he hits a three. So let's assume it went to zero-zero. But even if John's making the three, people aren't guarding him. Like he's not a big enough threat that people go to guard him. And so then if you space John and you space Walker. No one's following either of them, and they don't have the gravity. And so then the lane is just completely clogged up for anybody who wants to drive to the basket. And then um, defensively, they haven't been able to have the impact that you know you might sacrifice. You, you, we sacrificed that for years with Gobert and Favors. Like so Gobert and Favors might have been the last lineup of two bigs that couldn't dribble, pass, and shoot on the floor together in the NBA, but it was so great defensively that you were like, okay, like we'll take the uniqueness negative of this lineup that we have two bigs that can, two players that can't dribble pass and shoot on the floor because our defensive rating is like a 94 but that hasn't happened with john and walker on the floor together the defense hasn't been elite and so you can't afford to have the offensive struggles with the lack of space lowering- you really couldn't play you really couldn't play chris dunn john collins and walker casper together like that's that's three non shooters. Yeah. Or non scorers.
1: Since Lowry marketing came to Utah, his uh, shots per game has been up around sixteen or seventeen a night. There are times when I'm watching a game I feel like he's not getting enough touches or shots. Now if you're getting sixteen or seventeen and you're going to the line a little bit, so you're probably getting fouled when you're shooting, you're getting even more shots, is he involved enough? Do you think more stuff needs to run through him, or is this just given his ball-handling capabilities and who he is about where it needs to be? Where where is this going?
2: This is interesting because um, I'm going to call us all out. Hopefully nobody's offended by this. So we opened the post-game show last night talking about how we didn't get Lowry the ball enough. Mm -hmm. And I agreed. I was part of the conversation. I'm not, like, ducking this. So then I went and watched the fourth quarter. We ran every play for Lowry. Almost. Almost. So we opened the quarter. Six of our first eight plays were for Lowry. Five of them were isolation post-ups. He didn't score on any of them. He hit Walker Kessler on a slash to the basket on one of them, but he didn't score on any of them. Then when Keontae came back, then Jordan goes one-on-one on something, and Sexton has a one-on-one, and we have some plays, and there's an offensive foul on Lowry on a pick, and there's some other stuff in there. And then when we, come, then we bring Keontae and John Collins in, And now we ran pick and roll with Lowry every single play. Whether it was Spain pick and roll where he was the one popping to the top off a Collins pick, or whether it was Sexton and Keontae, or whether it was Colin or Keontae, or sorry, Sexton and Lowry or Keontae and Lowry, almost every play involved Lowry. So I think that narrative is pretty debunked, and I think it's wrong. I get it; like he's not shooting every time, right? But honestly, he's not very good at that. Like, can we just be honest for a second? He's great. He's a top 25 player in the NBA. He's awesome. I love having him on our team. He's like, we can do the accolades, but if we just want to be really honest, the isolation of the post, he went 0 for 4 on those big plays last night. Like, he got blocked to the rim by Richards. He missed a turnaround jumper. He committed an offensive foul, and he had, couldn't get the ball one of the times. Like, not 0 for 4 like shooting, but we, we tried to run the play, like, and he couldn't. Like, it's, not, it's not his game yet. We give him the ball at the nail. Because you can't really give him the ball. Um, you can't really give him the ball outside the three-point line because he's not a four-dribble guy. It was one last night early in the game where he did that, which was great. Um, but he—that's not his game yet. That's—that's—that's that's, that's what takes him from the 25th-ranked player in the NBA to a top 10 to 15 player in the NBA is when he can do it, and we're trying to develop. It's probably the single most important thing for the next 25 games. But when we all talk about like. Lowry not getting enough shots, I just think it's really a, a, a false kind of a, I don't want to like throw us all into the bus because I was a part of it. So I'm not, I'm not th- like, but it's, there's a real lack of depth to it, frankly. Like if we run a pick and roll with Keontae George and Lowry Marketing and Keontae and Lowry pops and the big goes with him and Keontae drives to the basket for a layup. Like that's how the play's supposed to work. Yeah. Lowry didn't get the shot, but Keontae got a layup. And if Colin Sexton comes off a Lowry pick and Lowry pops to a clear side and the big goes with him and Sexton drives the basket and draws a foul and gets two free throws, that's how the play's supposed to work. Both those things happened last night. Those are plays for Lowry marketing. Like if they don't guard that right, Colin Sexton and Keontae George are throwing it back to Lowry. The one time that they didn't, the two times they didn't do that, Keontae hit Lowry for a three and the second time he hit Lowry for a three that was wiped off by a Colin Sexton offensive foul. So I just think that's – I actually think it's unfair to Lowry, and I think it's unfair to the coaching staff, and I think it's actually unfair to the other players because there's an implication that they, like, don't know that Lowry's the best player or trying to get Lowry the ball. It's just how the game is played, and Lowry's not a player yet where we can just walk down the floor – Will's doing it right. He's running an interchange on the wing with a guard and Lowry that gets the small on Lowry, and then Lowry goes and posts him up in the block. But it's not a play that's been very successful for us.
1: So what it comes down to is that was a 17-point fourth quarter for the Jazz, and he gets all those touches early in the quarter, but it's not registering with everybody because there isn't the urgency at that point in the game. And later on, they see a pick-and-roll Lowry's defended, so the play goes somewhere else, and the frustration builds. Like, Lowry's the best player. He should be able to fix this. Charlotte shouldn't be rallying in the fourth quarter. That's how that happens.
2: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. But honestly, Lowry's not capable of fixing that unless somebody leaves him open. Lowry is not at a stage right now offensively where he has self created offense. Tim Lacombe has an had amazing stats on Lowry Marketing earlier this year, of guys that average 20 points a game in the league, his average touch time is the lowest of anyone in the league. So, like, if Luca is scoring 30, and he's the best offensive player in the world, so this is probably not a fair comparison, but Luca's average touch time is four or five seconds. Why? Because he's working it. He's getting in position. He's forcing the defense to bend. He's making the other alter they're creating an opportunity for his teammates because of that. Lowry's touch time is like one point seven seconds. He's catching and shooting. It's not self-created offense. David. Uh, w- by the way, well let's let's just in this conversation, let's also point out that Lowry had his career high six assists last night. So he's he's in the developmental process of this and doing and making the steps. It's just not where he is today. It doesn't mean he won't get there one day. It doesn't mean he's not working on it. We probably ran about Eight isolations for him last night. We usually run about two. I think it's going to be a major emphasis for the final 25 games of the year so he can work on this and learn how to develop it and open his own space when he catches. Like, I think his weakness is often he catches and he doesn't own the space. He's got to learn how to catch with footwork that gives him the advantage from the start. But to his credit, that six assists last night is a career high, and one of them was in this fourth quarter on a slash to Walker for a lay. It was a beautiful play and a play he probably wouldn't have made eight months ago.
1: David, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you again next Thank week. you, guys. See ya. David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz. with six assists put Lowry Markin in a 2.0 assist per game for the first time in his career. Dude, you
0: need to just Never get off his back, twice. man. Jeez.
1: <laughs> Lock or Markin or what both. What a
0: nitpicker you are.
1: Lock or Markin or both.
0: Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I really, I I really spotlight don't. spotlight on me. It's on you. <laughs> When we come back, Jason
1: Christ, Ralph Salt Lake will join us next. We'll talk about the opener and then the game in St. Louis tomorrow night. That's next. Great awesome. Utah State star forward is coming up at 9 o'clock right here on The Zone.